Hello and welcome. This is Lights Out and away we go with the episode. We're the Formula One podcast for fans and by fans. I'm Will and as I look across the digital garage, as always, I'm joined by my co-driver, shall I say my co-host Sam. Hi Sam, how are you? Hi Will. Hello listeners. I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, not too bad. How was your weekend? Very good. I was at a wedding on Friday, the day off Friday. Uh, a friend of the podcast, Henry's, it was his wedding uh, on Friday at Kew Gardens. We had a lovely 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 day there very special mm. um his speech was so good that it brought a tear to my eye which is quite a hard feat to achieve so uh, wow yeah props to him uh and then yeah was sort of continuing the wedding celebrations on saturday and then was at the 100 cricket on sunday so a very full-on weekend were you there big. you were there for the tie weren't you at, at the yes. yeah. yeah yeah the tie at the very end so it came down to the final ball and they literally came down to like a var type review mm. to check if he was in and he was just about in so uh, it was tom curran yeah, it very well. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good. How about you? How was your weekend? It was very nice. Yeah, we had quite a quiet uh, weekend this time. I feel like we've been away quite a lot recently. So, um, yeah, it was nice to just have some quiet family time at home. We got our, so our daughter had her feet measured for her first oh, ever pair of shoes. Big milestone. Big very, milestone. very cute. Um, so, yeah, she's got some nice, cute little pink booty things. Has she got her driving shoes yet for, uh, for when it has to for a racing career? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, given how expensive I should imagine those are, I'll probably wait until she's growing a little bit more because otherwise we'll have to buy some new ones every week. Um, but yeah, that was quite nice. And then uh, obviously watched um, Arsenal lift the first first silverware of the season, Will. Congratulations. The, the Congratulations. mighty Arsenal beat Man City uh, at Wembley to win the uh, what was formerly the Charity Shield, but they had to change the name because they remembered they weren't giving any money to charity. <laughs> it's now known as the Community Shield and it's it's pretty meaningless. It's a bit of a friendly, but still nice, nice to win that game so um yeah it's been a good weekend actually very good very good well congratulations on yeah, <laughs> the first the first trophy of the year will yeah and, and your one of your probably view is very important trophy uh hopefully <laughs> the first of many for for you and the arsenal fans listening as well um so formula one you know we've got our summer break now full and well and truly underway mm-hmm. uh you know halfway through the season so the uh the f1 factories may be shut but you know the lights out content factory is still still open and producing <laughs> great content so yeah we thought we'd do a bit of a season uh mid-season review uh, i've got a range of questions to ask you sam to get your views on and through that i'll be able to get some insights into your views on the season so far uh and if you know you'll have heard throughout um our post-race discussions we've been talking about you know this the sport as a whole and how it suffered because of max domination we, we might cover that but we're not really going to cover sort of big thematic stuff we're just going to pick up a lot of different questions and we should have some a good range of answers, and we should cover a, quite a range of the grid. So, mm-hmm. I'll start with the first one. What would you give the season out of ten? Ooh, uh, two probably. Yeah, oh, a two. That, that high. That high. Yeah. Well, I don't know. One. One feels like I don't know what would have to happen for it to be a one. But I'm going for. I'm going for one because I feel like that. Really. You no. Know, yeah. You know, we've not we've only had we've had the same team win every race. <laughs> yes. We've not had anything else exciting happen really across the season. It's been very uh it's been a hard watch. I mean that's I know just thinking back to Spa, the fact I fell asleep for a good fifteen <laughs> minutes of it and I wasn't excited for the race is a bit concerning. But anyway, that's yeah. about my deep thoughts of Formula One. But so what you're going for a two then? Yeah, so so the podcast as a whole has given the season a one point five out of ten. <laughs> The only way is up. Well, you know, we'll, we'll we'll do this again at the end of the season. We could we could have gone up quite a bit. You know, if Lewis gets a win, that's going straight up to a things to a three can or four. only get better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Fingers crossed. 
Very good. Very good. And and who's do you think's been the best driver so far this season? Is that a serious question? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, probably Max Verstappen will. Uh, oh, really? yeah. Why? What's he done? What, what's he done that's so impressive? <laughs> well, he's done absolutely nothing wrong for seemingly ever now. I don't know. That mm. I, I read some stat. It was something ridiculous that in two years or something, he's finished first. No, in three years, he's finished first 41 times. Wow. Second, 13 times. Third, a handful of times. Fourth, a handful of times. And he's never finished below fifth or something in three, in three years without when the car's been running, you know, when the car's not broken down. Or he's been crashed into, or something like that. I've got a stat that I can I can match with that. I think Hit this me. season he's won ninety three percent of the points available. Yeah, that's pretty scary, isn't it? Really, it's uh, an amazing yeah. achievement. It is. I mean, it is an amazing achievement. I know we 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 jest kind of semi jest on this podcast about the fact that his him, his domination is making the sport quite difficult to follow and watch at the moment. Um, but you do kind of just have to take your hats off to him a bit. Um. He's doing an amazing job. He is embarrassing his teammate on a weekly basis. Um, And you can just tell, I mean, the way the other drivers talk about him, like even when he starts way down the grid, you know, he started races in like 13th, 14th this season. And everybody they've spoken to pre-race just said, well, Max will be passed at some point. And he always is. And he wins every time. So, yeah, you just have to kind of marvel at his his brilliance. I mean, there's no denying Red Bull have done a great job as well. And Adrian Newey, we talk about him a lot. Clearly a genius developed a great car fantastic but it takes a pretty special driver to do what um do what he's doing at the moment um and he's doing it all in cruise control as well which is even more scary at some point he's going to be challenged by someone and and he can go up a level probably fair fair and what do you think is the sort of one thing that is making him such a strong driver what's the one thing he's doing that is sort of putting him the next apart from winning all the races is there one trait that he's got that he's just excelling at that what you know that is sort of leading to a success at the moment? Uh, probably racecraft and patience, I think. It, it, I, and I, I, we, we have talked a bit about this before with, you know, in reference to some other drivers. I mean, like, he was a bit like this you know, three or four years ago where he would drive the car as quickly as humanly possible. He couldn't really be told to drive it any slower. He burned through his tyres quite a lot. And in this kind of Pirelli era that we are living through at the moment, um, protecting your tyres and dr- finding a way to drive quickly without burning through your tires to an extent that it costs you is quite a difficult skill. Um, and only a few really, I think have managed to do it properly. And obviously, you know, Hamilton's an easy comparison. He's probably the other one who's well known for his ability to do that. Um, and I think this last couple of years in particular, like he's just so calm and comfortable, knows how quickly he needs to drive to win the race rather than worrying about how quickly he could drive the car. And he just knows he's got pace in hand over everybody. So it just looks incredibly relaxed. Um, yeah, it looks like a walk in the park basically every weekend at the moment. I think that's probably it. His 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 relaxed kind of approach to to racing is just allowing him to sort of waft through the season, picking up trophies every week, basically. Yeah. But yeah, have I, you got any any immediate thoughts on him? And yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree with that. You know, I think you know you think yeah, I think you're completely spot on. A couple of years ago, he was aggressive. Every time he's on the race circuit, everything was flat out most aggressive he could possibly be whereas he doesn't seem to be he kind of holds that we, we, well, we've seen this season he's not needed to be as aggressive uh and that i think that aggressive nature forced him to make mistakes in the past where that he's kind of like say been so relaxed he doesn't need to pull out that level and i think you know, it goes that really aggressive level when he's up against someone that's really rivaling him and he would not seen that really since 2021 with the battle between him and lewis i think as well just consistency he just looks so comfortable being flat out in that car and he just 
you know, he turns up and can just make it absolutely work. And I think that we talked about in the Spa episode, he just, his race craft and the way he was just attacking the corners compared to his teammate in the exact same car Mm -hmm. was just, was mighty impressive. I think, you know, that that's sign of greatness right there. Um, But yeah, no, I think you're right. They're definitely one of the standout drivers of this season for, for his achievements so far. How about you? I assume you haven't picked Max. No, uh, I've actually I've for? actually picked someone else. I've I've gone for Lando Norris, which is might mm. might be considered a bit of a left field choice, uh, especially for me as I'm not the, the mega Lando Norris fan uh, in in the world. I think he's actually had a really really impressive season. You know, to he really has maximised the car when its performance has improved. I think that's one of the sort of key themes that we've sort of discussed in this in this podcast since we started is that to be successful for one, you have to maximize those opportunities when you find yourself in point positions and McLaren with their improvement performance and the drivers they've got have really maximized that. And I've been really impressed by Lando Norris because it seemed to be, they kind of shut up the grid pretty quickly, you know, from one minute they were sort of the back of the grid, very much the last team of the, of, on this, on the circuit. I think it was it, uh, Bahrain, they were nowhere near anywhere else. And then Saudi Arabia, they were getting lapped and, you know, it was terrible for them. Mm. And then, I think it was Austria. I thought it was just such an impressive performance, the way that he held off uh, Hamilton and sort of dueling with signs as well. Uh, and, you know, and then went on a real run of podiums as well, you know, with Austria, Silverstone, and then Hungary, which was unexpected. Um, and, you know, for McLaren, they also did get the sprint one in, in, in Spa as well with Oscar. Um, I think as well, he drove that bad car really well and he really mm. pushed it and he really drove drove it really hard and so uh, yeah i think this is probably for him probably been one of his most important and most impressive seasons in the sport because he's really justifying the hype around him i think there was a lot of when he first burst onto the scene there was a lot of hype about him because he was scoring points quite unexpectedly but people sort of fair play as a rookie or as a someone new in the sport you're doing really well whereas now he's coming across as sort of one of the top talents which i think is probably really important for him if he wants to a get a seat at one of the top teams or be you know be seen as the the leader in uh in that McLaren team with a really competitive new teammate. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my reason for. I think Lando's probably been one of the best drivers this season. Any thoughts on Lando's performance? Yeah, I, I I'm really glad you picked him actually. Um, yeah, I think obviously McLaren have come a long way from where they started the season, but I I'm minded to agree with you particularly about the first sort of five, six, seven races of the year. He like that car was truly appalling, and he was hauling it up into points finishing. Yeah. positions like semi-regularly it's no mean feat uh at all and yeah he's he's he, uh, sort of not not dissimilar to max i think like he just looks a much more relaxed driver i think this season yeah. um and that's he's helping sure, him a lot yeah there's definitely a level of maturity there i think you're right um so yeah no he's had a really good first half of the season um i'll, I'll hold off further mclaren chat until we uh maybe discuss another driver later on um but um yeah i think well, he I uh <laughs> I hope, I hope who could not, it be? Yeah, yeah. Who, who could it be? And I hope it's not in this next section. This next question I got for you: Who do you think's been the worst driver? Oh, uh, yeah, I think Daddy's favorite boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I, I, I do feel a bit mean picking Stroll because you know he broke his wrists and hands, didn't he, before the first mm. race, and someone managed to get himself fit and and drove all right in in Bahrain, but. I mean, he's been properly dominated this year. It's 11 to 1, isn't it, in races, him and Alonso. Wow. And the gap is, I think it's like 102 points difference between Alonso and Stroll, which is the second largest deficit from teammate to teammate, apart from obviously Red Bull, where Max was totally bossing uh, Perez. So 
Yeah, I think on that basis, um, he he really should have got more. I think from that car earlier in the season when it was really up there fighting for podiums regularly. Um, I mean, he got he got beat by you know he got beat by Ferrari. I think he got beat by Hamilton, didn't he? In a couple of races. And I, mean, I know we're talking about you know like greatest of all time kind of drivers, but they're in really they were in really poor cars back then. The Aston Martin was so much faster. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't I don't really feel like he maximized the opportunities that they had sort of first half of the season. And obviously they've gone down this development direction at Aston now, which seems to have hurt them a little bit. Um, so they've got some work to do, I think, to figure out what they've done done wrong there and try and try and improve the car when they come back after the summer. But yeah, to get beat 11-1 by a teammate at, you know, in 12 races, albeit that teammate is Fernando Alonso, fine. Um, still not great, is it really? I don't think no. in terms of like thinking about how competitive that team is at the boys was at the start of the season and how competitive they want to be over the next five ten years i don't know i'm not it's, it's really horrible to, it's really harsh to say like they're carrying him because of who he is and who his dad is but at some point there's a conversation coming i think because you can't you can't have a driver who's so much further back than than their teammate yeah. all the time particularly in a team that's not you know going to win the constructors like like red bull are. like this isn't a problem for red bull because Max could win it on his own. You know, they don't have to worry about the second driver, but Aston Martin very much do if they want to if they want to maintain or try and get close to getting second in the constructors. Yeah, it's it's almost embarrassing, like for him. You know, for the fact that it's his, for him and his dad that his dad owns the team, they've employed a you know two time world champion, and he is you know he, when he got those podium when Alonso got those podiums at the start of the season, he wasn't having to work flat out for those. He felt like he was quite comfortable getting those podiums mm-hmm. and he really and he really sort of stepped up to you know maximize that car whereas stroll was you know it wasn't like stroll was finishing fourth stroll from my recollection was quite a bit behind and i think him and bottas have been probably the two of the most anonymous drivers this season they just have no they've done nothing of note really in any of the races they've been very anonymous in sort of just their profile as well um and i, I you know this is this, i saw this on, I think I saw on, on twitter um yeah, you know, I refuse to call it X. I just think it's absolutely nonsense. On the Twitter. artist formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, um, very good. That's very good. I like that. I'm going to use that more. Um, I saw. I think it was David Croft was sort of set the quotes attributed to him, saying he thinks that Stroll's kind of had enough. And he may he may call it quits at the end of the season. Which, you know, if I was his dad, I'd be like, well, fair enough. You're giving it a good crack, and it gives an opportunity to bring in someone else that's much more high profile and actually much more competent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Monaco, wasn't it, where Stroll was the cause of quite a few crashes, and he was just making quite a few errors in the in the wet conditions as well. And he, and he did win the Latifi then. He did. Um, he was slaloming strange. his way around, wasn't he? Yeah, but it's strange because if you look at Stroll's junior career, he was actually quite impressive, and he did quite well. And then he just, I think he's just never. He's been really hit with the the tag of being like daddy's favorite boy, whose dad has just bought him seat after seat in the sport, you know, whether it be Williams or buying, you know, Force India and then making the Aston Martin. Um, and Lawrence Hall, the owner, seems like a very, very competitive chap. And I think he will want to win championships and races. And, you know, like you say, I think that conversation is coming. If mm. one of the drivers, your son, is nowhere near those, com- you know, nowhere near where the other driver is achieving that. Yeah, so I'll I'll just add to that very quickly that it's eleven one in the races, but it should be twelve zero. If you remember, 
the occasion because I remember this from the predictions game where Alonso was chasing uh, down Stroll yes. and then said, I will not attack Stroll. I will not attack him. Yeah, Even though yeah, he had yeah. a faster car, faster tire and should have finished ahead of him, but decided not to for weird Fernando Alonso knew about the prediction game reasons. <laughs> um, so yeah, it should actually be 12-0. Um, how about you? Who have you picked for uh, worst driver? Or who would you pick for worst driver this season? So um, well, we've covered his teammate already, but I've gone for Checo and you did touch on this. Um, he's been absolutely humiliated by his teammate. And I think Checo or Sergio Perez is just having a really, really bad season. Uh, he's just performed so badly in the rocket ship, completely outclassed, outperformed, outscored, outdriven in everything by his teammate. Um, and the spa race, I thought showed that so well because he just looked so, so hopeless in that car. It just, you know, it looked like him and Max were driving different cars, the way that Max overtook him. And then was it like 20 seconds by the end, the gap mm-hmm. between them. Yep. Um, so I think that, that captured his sort of race, you know, how he's performing in races throughout the season. Uh, I actually then think like Monaco is quite a good example of his troubles in qualifying. You know, I think what's the, you know, the stat of how he's failed to fail to make it less times to Q3 than he's level with Hulkenberg. Yeah. Oh, level, the level, level, level now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that performance in Monaco and that qualifying just encapsulates the problems he's having with qualifying. You know, he crashed at Q1 at a really simple corner because he was, either going too hard or not paying enough attention or the pressure was getting to him. And then he was out, you know, what was it? 15th, 16th, 17th, whatever in, mm. in a circuit you can't ever take out. Um, so I, I think he's, yeah, I think it's a real shame for him because he started off so well. And I think also the reason why I, find, I feel like I'm annoyed with Checo is because when he won those first couple of races, uh, we uh, there was the conversation was very much shifting in Formula One to like this is going to be it this is going to be the season it's going to be Max versus Checo we're going to finally have the battle between them you know they never really had it before this is going to be the one and th- this hype started to build really really quickly and you know every, we I think we discussed a little bit as well but you know how will Christian Horner manage these two drivers that are gunning for the world championship and then Checo decided it for Max for by himself by just poor performances week on week and yeah. We've just it just ruined the world championship. We don't have a title battle because of because of mistakes and errors. And that that's also that's what a lot of it is. There's been a lot of mistakes and errors that Checo has made. It's mm. not just that he's gotten lucky. He has made self inflicted, uh, self enforced mistakes, and that's just really poor when you're in the second quickest, well, the sec- quickest car on the grid, and you're the number two driver. You know, I was thinking about this earlier. Bottas was a more reliable number two driver to Hamilton when Hamilton had his period of dominance. Then Perez is by by quite a long way. You know, Bottas could get the car in pole position. Bottas could regularly win races, and Bottas was always guaranteed to be on the podium with Lewis, whether it be second or third. Whereas Checo, you don't have that guarantee. Yeah, well, Bottas famously didn't miss Q three, did he? Once I think when he was driving really? for Mercedes, yeah, never that never missed him. out on Q three. Whereas Checo's missed it five or six times just yeah. this one season already, and we're only halfway through it. So um, yeah, 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 very odd. I'd- you also touched on it as well that like the gap in points as well. There's a 125 point gap, which is the equivalent of five race wins, <laughs> which is cra- I mean, which is just crazy. Uh, and Max, as a constructor, would still be in first place. He doesn't even need Checo, so I uh, had to you know carry Red Bull. But yeah, such a shame. And uh, one to watch, I think. One to watch what happens to Checo. Um, moving on from the worst driver, what's mm-hmm. been your favourite race so far? Hmm. I think yeah. I've changed. I think I've changed my mind on this one. Um, oh, okay, okay. So I was gonna say, I was gonna say Canada because 
I just remember the race being pretty good. There were some changeable conditions throughout the weekend. A couple of safety cars brought the pack close together, and Max only finished eight, nine seconds ahead of Alonso in second, and Hamilton <laughs> was in third. And Hamilton and Alonso had quite a good little tete-a-tete going on, didn't they, um, for this, for second? So I, I remember Canada being quite good, but the fact that all I can remember is that it was quite good um, and that Max won the race. Do you remember with the bird in the... Oh, in the, yes. In the, yeah, yeah, and I wrote... The dead bird. I wrote bird yeah death in the in the notes for the podcast which cracked you up <laughs> which um, i didn't see coming yeah, yeah. Oh, yes from memories go if you're not listening to that episode go to the end of the canada episode just for that last couple of minutes just to hear me <laughs> absolutely lose it sam surprised me with, with a very good joke <laughs> uh so i was going to pick canada for that re- well not just the bants reason but not because the bird. race was all right no not for not, not in honor of the bird um <laughs> i'm actually going to pick monaco Ooh. Which I don't think, honestly, I don't think I've ever, I would ever pick Monaco as my favourite race from any season that's ever happened ever. Wow! But wow. this time, so what, what did what did it do to you that that made you? So think, I, is, it, I, is that is that is that because the rest of the races have been so bad, or was it actually an absolutely like astounding race? So this, well, so the race wasn't amazing. It was all right. The race was quite good, but again, like changeable conditions. It rained. Like we talked about, stroll. He was basically doing like toboggan like sliding around, crashing into everybody. Um, that was quite funny. So yeah, the, the changeable conditions made it a bit more interesting, but I think it was just the qualifying that got me that that weekend. I mean, there's something about the fact that the lap is so short, it's so downforce heavy that, you know, Max Verstappen and Red Bull couldn't just streak off into the distance and like finish, you know, finish on pole eight tenths faster than everybody else. It's just not possible in Monaco under any circumstances. So it brought everybody a bit close together naturally anyway. We obviously had the Fernando Alonso chasing pole. Everybody was like all over that hype train because they thought Aston Martin would be good in Monaco and they were. And then Max did Max things in that. Do you remember that last sector where he oh, was like, yeah. he was like four or five temps down or something stupid going into the final sector and just absolutely sent the car. Like I've never seen it sent at Monaco before. Yeah. yeah. Um, hit the, hit the barriers a couple of times, like like kissed them on the way around and stuff, and then ended up putting it on pole. And it was just the most, it's one of the best laps I think I've ever seen, and one of the best qualifying yeah. sessions I've ever seen yeah. as well. So, I think for that reason, uh, yeah, I'll probably pick uh, pick Monaco because yeah, the race was quite interesting for Monaco. I'll, the little asterisks there next to it because it was Monaco, but yeah, primarily because of how good the qualifying was. Um, I'll pick I'll pick Monaco. I think. About yeah. you, do you, do you remember anything else from those, or or do you want to talk a bit about your favorite, or was well, your favorite gonna, one of those? I was going to say the, I remember also the in that Monaco race that it could have been if Aston Martin hadn't scuppered their strategy with Alonso, he probably would have won the race yep. because of the the weather conditions. So that was I remember that was quite a good factor as well. Now, yeah, and I agree with you that that qualifying lap from Max was greatness. Like to find that so much time in such a short sector and to put the car and do things with the car that we've never seen before in a street circuit like that. And to, you know, for it not to end up in carbon fiber everywhere and the front wing destroyed and the wheels yeah. rolling off was incredible. Cause it was, it was like an amazing end to the, the, the qualifying session. Cause he was the last one to finish. And actually that probably is something about the sport this season. Qualifying has probably been more entertaining mm-hmm. than some of the races, which is something we probably didn't think we'd say a couple of years ago when it was quite a bit of a snore fest. You always, you didn't need to watch qualifying. Whereas now I feel like I have to always watch qualifying because I think sometimes we get the most, the most drama. Yeah. Um, my favorite race has actually been Australia. I, it obviously wasn't because I overslept and, you know, I missed the, the first <laughs> bit of it. That was, that was, <laughs> that was, that was, anno- that was really annoying. I'm still quite annoyed at my alarm clock for that. 
Um, but actually, I thought the end of the race was just just carnage, pure chaos. You know, we had the red flag uh, when Albon crashed, and then we had the restart where signs collided with a couple of people, and the two Alpines took each other out, and then we had all the chaos of them finishing under. They just came in after the safety lap, didn't they? So they finished like a really straight line, basically, which is quite all bunched up together. Yeah. And then the penalties as well. So, uh, yeah, I just remember that being a really entertaining end to a race that we've not seen for a while uh, with the with the red flag restart. Um, and it was just a shame I overslept, but I'd feel like I saw of the two parts of the race, I saw the better part of it. You did, definitely. That's a good pick. Yeah, I, I did enjoy Australia. It was a bit... I mean, the the, the end was carnage, wasn't it? When they, like, yeah, yeah multiple exactly. red flags and... Yeah, it was just, it was a bit silly. I don't know if the FIA got a Latifi that weekend, but they may well have done. Um, um, I can I can tell you now because I have the tracker up alongside me. In Australia, they did. I gave them I gave them one because yep. of the carnage they caused. But yeah. Go, yep, go um, figure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and connected to the best race, what's been the best moment? So that can be a stand-up moment from a race weekend. You've kind of touched on a couple there. Any ones you're going to, you know, is it the max pole lap in monaco or is there any other sort of moments that stand out for you as the best moments so far in the season uh oh it's it's, it's a really fan this is a really british biased fanboy selection but um and, and i bear in mind i was many beers deep by the point uh at which this happened but i think i think hamilton's pole in hungary probably does it for nice. me because it is, I, I it is beers deep as well for that. I, I was and it is to be fair it's probably the only time this entire season where i've thought Oh, that makes that makes Sunday really good because you've got yeah, two yeah. Yeah, kind of yeah. rivals on the front row, and it, yeah, it didn't materialise. Say la vie, uh, kind of in line with the rest of twenty twenty three. Sadly, but um, the feeling I had at the time when he got it, uh, and to out qualify Max, uh, yeah, in, in, under any circumstances, season I think we mentioned it before. He, only Hamilton and Leclerc have managed to uh, out qualify Max and finish put the car on pole so far this season. So. Uh, as in not in a Red Bull um, so yeah I think I think I'll probably go for that one I mean obviously he didn't win the race um, sadly but it was quite a special moment it's the first time he's got pole for a long time um, yeah his 104th was it I think yeah um, yeah that one yeah I think that was that was a good one for me there have been a few kind of good I guess interesting moments in races and stuff but nothing stands out for me I think as much as that one how about yeah, you I, I was gonna, just, just on that one as well I think the reason why it was so special because of like we talked about this uh, quite a lot throughout the season, is that like for that moment for Lewis, who was probably a reminder of what it felt like to be the best, mm. and he's had to struggle, I think he's really struggled since Abu Dhabi in 2021 um, not you know, not being in the best and having to deal with you know a rubbish car and that, and to, to, to be on pole because of stuff he was doing in the car, must have been an amazing moment for him, just sort of that relief of like, oh you know, I've, I've still got it and, you know, I am the greatest of all time. And he was very emotional about it. And it, it was a shame it didn't, it didn't turn into a win, but still still a great moment. I remember watching that as well and thinking, oh, that was just, it was just chills watching that. It was such a, so, you know, as, as, a, as a fan of Lewis, it's just great to see that moment. And let's hope it's not the last mm. poll or win that he gets. Um, my one, I think, is actually another British one. So, yeah, a lot of British <laughs> bias today. Um and I honestly, I'm not on the the London Norris pay pay uh, payroll or the McLaren payroll. But I did think his him taking the lead at the start of the Silverstone Grand Prix was just. I remember watching that, just feeling so excited, like, "Oh, this is amazing! Here we go!" And the fact he held on to it for several laps, you know, to see the home driver leaving leading 
for the first time at his home race and breaking probably that long stretch of Max always being in the fr- at the front and winning. It just felt like, oh, is is the McLaren good enough in that really good chrome livery to to take on and beat a Red Bull livery race? Sadly, it wasn't, but it was just a real contest. And that feeling of excitement at the start of that race, when that you know he was still in the lead after like five laps, was like, oh, here we go. Um, which is a shame because that's a very small moment of a long a lot a lot of the season. But um, it was just it was just nice to have a relief and a change of someone that wasn't Max leading. Yeah, that, that was a good moment. And obviously, we got to enjoy that one together because you were at my house yes, and we were yeah, watching yeah, it yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then it became one of the most boring races <laughs> ever. I think we were both nearly <laughs> bored to, to, to tears or dozing off. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't, didn't quite end how it started, did it, sadly? But no. Um, no, that was a good moment. Yeah, I was pleased for Lando. Um, yeah, nice for him to lead his home, home Grand Prix. And that first um, win must be coming soon, soon, surely, for him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't know if it will necessarily be this season, but. It'll be soon, mm. definitely soon. Mm. Uh, he's he's more than good enough. Um, yeah. So yeah, hopefully he uh, hopefully he can pick one up soon. Hopefully you know both Red Bulls engines implode or something at one 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 race weekend and we get a, we get a different winner and uh, Norris is in the conversation. That would be fun. Or the McLaren, they keep bringing more upgrades to it and they just they get even quicker than the Red Bull. They find like two seconds of pace or something. That feels like a longer shot than uh, <laughs> than, than my my suggestion that both Red Bull cars engines implode despite the fact that their engines have been absolutely bulletproof all season so yeah. far the days of honda and you know rebel engine reliability are long gone sadly yeah yeah so one final question before we go to break uh and hopefully not a nice little one to end on what's the one thing you've learned about f1 this season so far oh yeah a bit deep for you there that is deep um ted kravitz is still the best <laughs> and but, yeah yeah. And David Croft is more excited about this season than literally anyone else alive. <laughs> he doesn't see the era of dominance, does he? He just sees it as like some great spectacle. Yeah. Yeah. As it's, as, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he just arrives each weekend just thinking, oh, well, I'm going to have a lovely time. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch the Red Bull win the race and uh, I'm going to go home. And that's it. <laughs> maybe he just doesn't have any expectations for uh, exciting racing. Um, my biggest takeaway, well, my other thing I've learned, uh, is probably that uh, oh, sorry, it's a really depressing way to win in this half of the podcast. Um, it's that the the gap is genuinely enormous, I think, between Red Bull and everybody else. Um, Max has coasted, I think, a lot of this mm. season, picking up wins very, very easily. They've also bought upgrades to make the car even faster than it is. And they've probably got a few more to come to. And I think we've seen in other periods of dominance where, like particularly with Mercedes, teams get relatively close and we saw Ferrari get quite close for a few years and then Red Bull started getting a bit closer as well and that always felt possible because those teams were always within I don't know half a tenth a lap I suppose something like that it was always it always felt like a gap that could be bridged over the course of a season or over the course of a couple of seasons but at the moment I just I think in normal racing conditions at most circuits the gap is between like seven tenths and a second probably yeah. at Red Bull yeah. running at full pace that is like that and they're not even doing that at the moment so I don't know sorry it's a bit of a sad way to or a bit of a depressing way to end this half potentially but my takeaway really is that this is probably going to be our lot for quite a while <laughs> unless unless there's some kind of development miracle happens in the winter and a team comes to the fore at, at the start of next season and you know we see a really significant change or Red Bull do something mad and go in the wrong direction which feels incredibly unlikely um i sort of feel like this 
this period of uber dominance probably could last quite a while. Sorry, what, you think you you think in through into next season and quite a lot e- next season e- easily, yeah, because it's just such a big gap. Like mm. in previous years, we've seen you know half a second or whatever is doable, but it's hard. It takes a long time, a lot of development, and a lot of money as well, which teams yeah. don't have much of anymore because of the cost cap. Um, a second, I mean, pff, years. In some cases, probably years to bridge that yeah. kind of gap. So, yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's making me. It's making. It's definitely the last kind of the last few races in particular has made me ponder because we've seen a lot of upgrades. I think that's what's done it for me. Like Mercedes bought a load of upgrades. It was like their new dawn has come and they're still a second off the pace. Aston yeah. Martin bought a load of upgrades. They were already looking. They were talking a big game about potentially competing for wins. They're miles off it now. McLaren, brilliant. They've come out of nowhere, upgraded the car, shot up right up the grid, but they're still miles off Red Bull, even yeah. with that amazing progress. And then you've got Ferrari, who were in the conversation last year, and they're absolutely nowhere this season. It's just a bit like the gap is so big. It, it It's taken an absolute heroic effort for some of those teams to get as close as they have already, and they're still miles off. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There's a lot of those teams will be working flat out, and they've probably worked flat out to get there, and they're still miles away yeah and they'll you know it probably need another reset of the rules for uh for change but also anyone to be anywhere close but yeah that is that i mean to to add to your depressing <laughs> thing you've learned from f1 this season I'll, I'll join you with the depression uh <laughs> takeaway for you want um i think this has been the oh, we, i've said this several times but important to bring it out here i think now i think this has been the worst season of dominance yeah we've had seasons where hamilton vettel even when Schumacher was in the sport as well, they were dominant, but the races were still exciting. They generated good, good, exciting races with uh, interesting wins. It wasn't them winning by 20 plus seconds every week. And then I made, I made this point. Um, I think, well, I've got, you know, they all blow into one, but after a couple of races, maybe it was Austria. I think it was, yeah, it was Austria. I said, just the nature of Max winning. It's very emotionless. There's no sort of, he doesn't seem that fast about breaking records or, you know, coming first, it's very like, yep, job done, lovely stuff. I've won another race, um, and I think we've touched on this as well. His boredom, he's sort of experiencing as well without a contest. But also, I think the thing I've also thought of reflecting on is like it's just the inevitability of it all. He just mm-hmm. feels that Max is going to win from any position on the grid, and then that takes away from the spectacle because you just know that the winner is decided, and he could be anywhere on the grid. And we felt like that in Spa when he was—I can't remember—he started sixth, was it? And he was, yeah. you know, it was everyone was just saying in the race before and you know what race does he take the lead and it was slightly longer than everyone thought but it was never in question um so yeah a bit of a shame really and yeah maybe maybe on that depressing note we should we get we should go to a break and we'll be a bit more jolly after the break agreed let's do that very good let's go Hello, welcome back from the break. Hope you had a jolly old time. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't you weren't in an oppressive state because of you know, the tone of the end of the, the end of the first half. So you know we're going to bring it back up and sound to bring up the energy and to bring up the positivity and the optimism uh, and the joy of Formula One, as that is what we should be talking about and how we should be, despite the boring season we're having. But anyway, back to the joy. Um, I've got a fun one for you. What's the favorite? What's your favorite Latifi that you've given so far this season? Okay, so I've just opened the tracker to remind myself of what I've who I've awarded Latifi's to. There's a real range, I think, across the season. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've only given one to the FIA. That feels a bit light. I think I'll have to improve that in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a few here that like tickled me a little bit. So I'd forgotten about my Sky graphics and sound one that I gave oh, for yeah. Saudi. Do you remember it was yeah, because the they leader. had the, the new leader graphic, which they're still using, by the way. They have still, they are still as using they, it. As they show the leader change on, on the grid, on the yeah. TV. Well, particularly in that period after, yeah, we remember we mentioned why Lando took the race, of, took the leader of the race in Silverstone. The, bloody graphic came up and we're like we know we're watching it live <laughs> um and uh the other one was the sound guy got i got really annoyed because they were showing helmet cam weren't they with the wrong sound and it was just oh, yeah. it was just bizarre um and then yeah a few others strolls got one obviously ferrari of course alpha tauri fia uh i gave max one last week didn't i for being a pest no i think my favorite is probably cara delavine <laughs> giving her awarding her a Latifi, just the fact, yeah, just reading that back tickled me a bit from the British Grand Prix. So if you if you've forgotten, listener, she was on the grid uh, before the race, as many celebrities tend to do, and um, as is the expectation, Martin Brundle went round and uh, tried to interview them or interview her and her kind of posse before the race, and they refused uh, Martin Brundle, and he had some, he had made like a little sassy remark, like, oh, I'm sure it would have been fascinating, and then walked off, but they're all obliged to talk to Martin Brundle, it's kind of one of the things that they're expected to do in exchange for a free pass onto the grid, um, where they get to enjoy everything that uh, us mere mortals would never get to, uh, and yeah, she refused, or her team refused, and it got a bit got a bit spicy, as has happened in previous previous Grand Prix down the years where Martin Brundle's tried to talk to a big A-list person and they've told him no and he's had a bit of an argument with them about it. Uh, yeah, that one's probably my uh, my standout uh, Latifi this year so far. If I said to you when we started this podcast that you'd be giving out a fictional award to Cara <laughs> Delevingne because something she's done at a Formula 1 race weekend, you would have thought I would have been sniffing glue or something. Like this... <laughs> yeah. Um, that, I think that's definitely my most... That's one of my funniest ones. Whenever I think about it, it's just so funny that you had to give you gave her an award for that. I'll just have a quick look at yours and notice you gave the FIA three in a row. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, a lot. yeah. I'm trying to. I can't remember the one in Saudi, but uh, Australia they obviously cocked that one up. And then Baku was the one where the pit lane manager decided to let people yeah. start walking around before the final lap of the race, and they almost got hit by Ocon, um, which went sailing as well. Perez oh, as well for his. Rosberg tickled me. I remember when you we gave you gave Rosberg one. That what, that that one did was, make me laugh. What was one for Rosberg? He was just being a bit of a one on the sky, wasn't he? he oh was yeah, on, on the sky. Sorry, yeah, I sound like my dad yeah. now, but on sky, he was being a particularly precocious pundit. I think. Yeah, and Christian Horner didn't like him, and then he tried to suck up to Lewis as well, and Lewis was having none of it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that one. Um, I think my favorite one though has to be the. The person that I gave my first ever Latifi to, which is feels like a lifetime ago now, uh, was Espan Ocon. Because the reason why I've, I've, I like this one is because I had to give it for the same reason for two different race weekends when he broke and then met, met his own record for g- getting the most penalties in a weekend. So <laughs> I don't even remember in, in Bahrain, he got uh, three penalties because the first one was when he started in the wrong starting position. Then he didn't serve the penalty correctly because that's when I think they were... The Alpine team were touching his car. When yeah, they, they started unscrewing to. something, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before they were allowed to, Naughty. and then he got one, and then he got one for speeding the pit lane as well, which was an amazing achievement to get three in a weekend. <laughs> and I didn't think we'd see it again the same season, let alone from the same driver. And he he's duly delivered in Austria when throughout the race he didn't get a single penalty, and then the whole track limits GP debacle where they they kind of realised they'd not applied track limits properly to, during the race. And there've been what was it, hundreds of instances of people breaking it. 
and uh, he ended up getting one for for basically driving his own circuit because he abused track limits so many times. <laughs> so he got three penalties for that. Uh, and he didn't obviously get this penalty to after the race. So I imagine him being on that flight home must have been very angry when he when he got that text through or saw that coming through. But um, yeah, I thought it was very entertaining. I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if he's going to do it again. You know, he could could he do a hat trick of the hat trick? Um, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't rule it out. Wouldn't rule it out. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see who else is going to get Latifi. We've we've yet to have a Latifi less um, weekend, which is I feel. Uh, I feel like with some, there's a couple of times we've been scraping the barrel of stuff to to give her a Latifi too, and no one has has yet got a Latifi from both of us in the same weekend, which we could always do if someone designed something so monumentally stupid, you know, like crash their car on you know a couple of laps ago at the final race of the season, that, which causes a safety car, which then means the FIA don't <laughs> apply the rules properly, and then means the, <laughs> the world championship gets wrongly given to the wrong the wrong driver, you know, just like so, you know like that, you know, yeah. You know, just think of like you know something like Nicholas Tifi to twenty twenty one, yeah, and, and the damage that causes sport, but yeah, you know, yeah, we might we might we might we might get instant like that, but we'll see. It's we'll like see. a stain on the tapestry of Formula One that will never go away, isn't it, that one? No, and, it, and it's nice that we've rem- remembered it with our uh, Latifi Awards. And I should say, I would strongly, strongly recommend following us on Instagram by the by the next race weekend because there is some very good Latifi content that uh, that we've got planned that's going to come out. And it's sadly not an interview with Nicholas Latifi or an awards ceremony with Nicholas Latifi, but something that we've we pulled together so yeah definitely give us a follow uh yeah on our instagram account mm. um so moving on from the latifis back to something a bit more serious what team do you think needs to improve in the second half who's had a bit of a shocker that needs to turn things around going into the, the second half of the season ferrari yep we're moving on <laughs> <laughs> um no that's yeah i mean considering where they were last year challenging for the championship it all went to pot obviously um and in some cases, it went up in smoke as their cars caught fire in Austria, etc. Um, yeah, they've got they've got a lot to do, I think, Ferrari, because they've got there are a few things at play. So one, they were challenging last season, and they've clearly gone backwards this season. Um, they are now behind McLaren, Mercedes. <laughs> Hold on, McLaren, Mercedes, and Mercedes, um, <laughs> and potentially Aston Martin if they get themselves together. So they're almost the fourth fastest fourth or fifth fastest car on the grid potentially having been very very yeah very much the fastest for a bit last year um and then second fastest for the second half um they've got two extremely competitive drivers one who i think we both agree is probably future world championship material one who is very very good although potentially not in that same bracket but um equally competitive they've got a strategy team that how can I how can I word this right? It it feels like they have a strategy team that's been set up deliberately to troll their own drivers, <laughs> to be ignored by their own drivers, <laughs> yes, or to just have an argument with their drivers. They're just there to be contrary and and just suggest a strategy that they know neither driver's going to want, uh, and see which one of them perks up on the radio and says, "No, we're doing it this way." <laughs> um, yeah, there's just a lot to do, and I, I do like Fred Vasseur, so I feel like. They've got the right person in charge to do that, but it's a long. There's a lot that needs sorting out, I think. And um, if they want to keep Charles, um, 
I feel like they need to make some serious progress in the same way. You know, we, we had similar discussions about Lewis to me not that long ago. Like if the Mercedes want to keep Lewis for another year, they're going to have to demonstrate some progress. It looks like they've started doing that, albeit uh, it's been a bit limited, I think. Um, but in Ferrari's case, definitely like Charles not signed a new contract yet. There's rumors that he will sign a new one, but exactly the same way with Lewis, there's been rumors he's going to sign a new contract for like four months and hasn't, I think until pen is on paper, you can never count these things as done. So yeah, they're the ones I think, with the most to lose potentially between now and the end of the season. So yeah, Ferrari. Just on Ferrari and on Fred Vasseur, we've not really seen him make his mark as the leader yet, have we, of that team? Mm-hmm. Because he's been in place since, what, January, and the strategy call seems to be still be baffling. The car performance on it, that's obviously hard for him to influence. But do you think, you know, if, if Ferrari's still like this come the end of the season or going into the start of next season... Do you think there's a risk that he could lose his job because he's not delivering any change? And, you know, he is very experienced, but he's not really come from a winning team. And that's probably what Red uh, Ferrari are missing. They're kind of missing the Red Bull Mercedes winning mentality, the winning edge, and they just don't seem to have that at the moment. You know, yeah. should, do you think he should be worried if he, if there's still if these issues are still present, you know, in the end of the season or you know, after a couple of races next season? Yes, I think so. I mean, I think anyone in charge of Ferrari should generally just be worried. Um, mm. <laughs> I'd, I'd, yeah, I mean, they've had pretty much every every type of leader, I think. They've had kind of ruthless, kind of ball-busting leaders. They've had really nice, kind of chill, come up through the organisation, likeable Mattia Bonotto, for example, types of leaders. And now they've got Fred Vasseur, who's a really kind of practical, hands-on, will be quite involved um kind of team principal quite different to the likes of, sort of Horner and Toto Wolf and people like that but um he's very well liked I think that's key um mm. he's got a really good relationship with Charles that's also going to be quite key I think moving forwards I mean the key thing for them really is like they need to make a decision about whether or not this print this kind of philosophy they've gone with with regards to the car design so they're quite they've gone for quite an outwashy type of design in comparison to what Red Bull have done and obviously there's a lot of convergence on the Red Bull design because it is clearly the best the next sort of three or four months are really key for them, I think, in establishing whether or not, well, even shorter than that, really. I mean, they're probably already thinking about, or they will be thinking about next year's car already. But there's an awful lot for them to to sort of decide upon over the next few months to shape next season. Um, I feel it feels a bit of a cop-out because maybe we won't know necessarily whether or not those decisions have been correct until you know first race next season. But I do still think there's, a, there's an element that they have to demonstrate some progress and I think they have to prove to Charles Leclerc in particular that it's worth him staying yeah. um, because yeah. as, as we've both spoken about quite a few times on the podcast like those drivers are fuming a lot um, there's a lot of frustration and the only thing that's going to help improve that is performance on track and performance um, in the garage so yeah lots for them to lots for them to think about and improve how about you I assume you haven't picked Ferrari then so you must have uh, no, I've gone for something different. I've gone for Alpine. Um, Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I, I, I had to like translate that for a second. Like, what? And then I got, I got what you're saying. Um, yeah, just they're having a terrible, terrible season. You know, they've obviously set quite high expectations to climb further up the grid, and they just feel like they're getting worse. And they, they had what was it with Daniel Ricciardo's last season, which must have been 2019. They were on the podium, and they were, you know quite regularly and they seem to be really charging the grid and they just in the last couple of years they just seem to really have lost that momentum and obviously last year they had the whole drama with Alonso quitting and then Piastri quitting as well and now they've got an all French driver lineup uh, with Gasly and Ocon and you know 
I, I looked through it, their results the season, and the team have had three races where they've had both drivers uh, DNF and not you know, not not finish. Um, and then obviously with what we had right before the Belgian Grand Prix, that the weekend of the Belgian Grand Prix, you know, just chaos at boardroom level, people being sacked at short notice, uh, Otmar, Safnauer, team principal gone by the end of the weekend, a lot of other changes as well. And that followed some other changes to the boardroom earlier in the season, obviously got investment with high profile celebrities as well. Um, really, a really odd one, a really weird season for them. Um, we said about this last week, we're going to do a deep dive on them next week. So I, I won't go into too much, um, but I should just leave a little teaser for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little rumor that I've heard. Apparently, Matteo Bonotto has been linked to the team principal job. So we might see the Italian back in Formula One wow. um, and his lovely curly hair. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be a brave one... move for him, I think. Yeah, but if you could turn them around and if he's got the confidence I mean, of yeah. <laughs> the Renault board, who seem a bit, a bit, a bit mad. It's quite funny that he's coming from the team that I was just talking about, who are also widely regarded <laughs> as a bit, a bit crackers. Um, and he took, and he took the blame for their like poor season, yeah, last year. Yeah, that feels a bit uh, history repeating, doesn't it? A little bit. Maybe he'll hire the Ferrari strategist team, and that'll cure Ferrari. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, so we've talked about what team needs to improve in the second half. Any drivers you think we need to watch in the second half? That could either be, you know, you've been watching them, you think they're really exciting, or someone we should watch to see if they improve, or someone that is going to improve because they start to show a bit of promise. Anyone that sort of comes to mind for that? Yeah, I think so. It won't come as any surprises to anyone who's listened to the pod the last few uh, last few occasions. Uh, I'll, I'll go for Oscar Piastri. Um, new fave. He's he's. I feel, he like if, I feel like Hamilton retires, he's going to be your your new fave. Uh, he may he may well be, even though he's Australian and, and the Australians <laughs> and you know, Ashes and whatever. And you know, I struggle to struggle to make my peace with that every summer that we uh, we lose test matches to them. But um, <laughs> he, yeah, I just I just really like him. I just like I like everything there is to like about him. Um, he's a really really good driver. Bear in mind this is rookie season, first time in Formula One, never driven these cars before, never driven these cars around these circuits in those conditions before. He had Lando comfortably covered for pace in Spa, which I did not see coming at all. Like Lando is extremely highly rated. I mean, we talked about him at the top of the podcast already. He is really good. So for Piastri to be like on merit faster than him throughout the weekend and obviously had his little incident with science at the start uh, into the first corner. Um, I think that's really exciting. So yeah, I mean, McLaren, they've obviously recruited very well, uh, not just on track, but off it too and taken some really good steps forwards. I think they are the team that I will be watching most carefully probably over the next uh, little while anyway. Um, but with those two drivers, like it's a really exciting lineup. And yeah, I just, I just really like Piastri. I like the way he goes about his business. I think he's a really quick driver. Um, seemingly quite likable like like even the chat like even on twitter he's just like the most likable person like <laughs> like his chat with his like mum and stuff on twitter is hilarious i don't know if you've seen any of it but no um, no no was it the artist formerly known as twitter um he posted a picture i think yesterday or day before of him on a motorbike and his mum just retweeted him being like absolutely not it's hard enough watching you drive cars oh very good. it's just yeah it's just <laughs> nice wholesome like really good yeah really good content and yeah i just i just really like him so yeah i think i'll be i'll be watching him but yeah not not just because he's likable but also i think he, th- there's a there's a special driver in there so i'm gonna watch yeah. his development very carefully he's not made any rookie mistakes really i don't think I, there's nothing that springs to mind he's looked very confident to begin with and I, I think you're right i think it'd be really interesting to see where he ends up at the end of the season but also in a year's time you know if he's this good after what 
10, 11 races into the season. Yep. Imagine where he's going to be after a full season under his belt and then a full winter under his belt as well. Uh, and being being used to McLaren as well. I think, uh, yeah, a re- you know, fair play to McLaren. They they were justified in going to get him and, you know, all that shenanigans with Alpine. Mm-hmm. It's obviously, he's obviously paid that back and that faith and lived up to the hype from that infamous moment uh, last season. And also, I get the sense that he's not a very, like you say, his personality is not very sort of like out there. It's very much like, yeah, I'm here to do my job and I'm you know, here to race quickly. And he probably didn't felt a bit embarrassed by having to put all the tweets out last last year sort of distancing himself from Alpine but you know fair play he's got himself a lot of support and interest from fans and he's living up to that mm, definitely how about you what what drivers are on your uh, watch list uh I've got two I think one of them is Charles uh Leclerc mm-hmm. um he's had a, like we said he's had a very mixed season partly because of the Ferrari's not been very competitive but he just looked really hit the his form has really fluctuated when he looks happy in that car, he looks unbeatable. You know, Baki, when he got pole um, and Austria as well, he looked really, really strong, you know, at his best, I thought. We've probably seen for a while from him. And then other weekends where he doesn't have confidence in the car or he's not happy in, in the car, he just he's just made some uncharacteristic mistakes. I think Miami, when he absolutely binned it, unprovoked, really. It was, a, it was a, you know, there was no one around him. He just spun off at really you know, a, a moment in the track that he probably shouldn't have spun off. So I'm a bit concerned about that. And obviously it's, it's led to his piano career as well, which I saw <laughs> got played on Classic FM the other day. So was it? Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's on the rise. Um, <laughs> I don't know, just, and also we've not seen the trait of what we see from greatness. And we've said this several times, like greatness in our eyes is someone that can take a bad car and outperform it and pull it up the grid and score points. And I don't think we've really seen that from him where he's sort of like outperformed the Ferrari or he's been unhappy, but still been able to to drive it on. And I think you're right. That contract is going to be very interesting because I think he's going to be hot property the longer that that renewal doesn't get signed. Mm-hmm. Um, my other one is Fernando Alonso. Mm-hmm. We've had no coverage of him. We've not talked about him really at all. But since Aston have faded away from getting their podiums, what, since what, Spain? Yeah, they've just not featured at all in the conversation. He's not featured in the conversation at all. It was so strong about him at the start. There was so much content about him going to get win thirty three, and oh, Alonso's back, and isn't it great to see Alonso? You know, the great Alonso, uh, you know, two time world champion. Can you know? Can he take it to max? And you know, he did put up a good fight, and he was quite entertaining in those first couple of races. But he's he's been pretty anonymous, and I I think this combination of the car, but his profile, he's just not had that. He's not used that profile and not been given much attention. And we've seen before in the past that Fernand, if Fernando's not happy, he'll take he'll take to doing anything he needs to, to to voice that happiness. And we've yet to see that. So I wonder if he might make a few outbursts on the radio, if he'll start complaining. You know, it, are him and Stroll gonna clash? Um I just I just can't see him being sat there, you know, now sipping his, his beer in the summer break and thinking, Yeah, I'm having a great season. Yeah, it's great that he's not an Alpine, but from where his season started to where he is now, I think he's going backwards, and I think he'll be very frustrated by that. Yeah, that's an interesting couple of picks. Um, yeah, no, I like that a lot. Yeah, I think I think Charles Charles going to be a really interesting one. Um, do you, Do you think he will like? Do you think he'll batter science over the course of the rest of the season? Do you think he'll comfortably? I say batter. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? But do you, do you think um, he'll comfortably beat him? He's he's beating him at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he is. Yeah, I, I, you know, for me, I really rated Carlos Sainz. I've always really liked him as a driver, and I don't think we've ever seen him really be his reliable McLaren best. That's nothing. He was at his peak, and I don't think we've ever seen him replicate that form. So I think he makes it easier for Leclerc to beat him because he's not, he's not carried the form he had at McLaren, and he seems to fluctuate in performance quite a bit, and he sometimes seems to make a bit of mistakes. Um, so yeah, I think I think he will continue to beat him. He just can't keep crashing the car or binning it because they, then they'll just be gifting points to signs. Yeah, it looks like he stopped trying to. Like he's he's one of those drivers I think that sort of overdrives the car a little mm. bit, so desperate mm. to go fast and just occasionally puts it beyond the limit. Um, he seems to have sort of made his peace with where the car is at the moment, um, which is good for him. I think from a race racecraft perspective. Yeah, Alonso will be really interesting. I, I don't think we're too far from a. Well outburst of some kind <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah we'll see i don't know maybe this new fernando maybe we've underestimated this new fernando alonso and or maybe um, they're just paying him so much to keep him quiet <laughs> maybe maybe he signed the maybe he signed something it's in his contract somewhere he's an NDA. Says, like, he signed an nda yeah. whilst doing the job that he can't you say anything cannot be about. yourself on the radio <laughs> there's a yeah. private setting for ranting um yeah yeah maybe okay you can well, only like you can only use the radio to praise my son, Lance, <laughs> yes. who's my favourite boy. Um, moving on, yep. we've, been, we've only got a few left to go now. Um, what race are you most looking forward to in the rest of the season that's coming up? Ooh. Well, we've got a couple of my favourites left. Uh, I always look forward to Japan, but yep. it's going to be a bit, I think it's going to be a bit early in the season for us to see much. I don't know. Well, we'll see, unless, it, unless the weather's carnage and... We see some fun there. So I will look forward to that one, but I'd probably say Brazil, I think. It's late enough in the season that I would hope some other teams maybe have caught up a bit to Red Bull and we'll see something a bit more exciting. And I have also listed Brazil as my, that's when Lewis will win his race uh, this season kind of prediction. So fingers crossed for that. Um, yeah. Because I think any situation where Red Bull doesn't win a race is going to be quite an exciting race, frankly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Brazil for me. How about you? Well, I was just going to say the... Uh... The race in Suzuka, when you said it was early, mm. a bit early, I thought you were going to say it's an early start. It does start at six o'clock on a Sunday morning. Yes. So uh, that's yeah. going to be a bit grim. Um, but yeah, I think Brazil is always a classic. And I, I've massively hyped up Baku this year saying, oh, you know, it's going to be crazy. You're going to be carnage. And it wasn't. <laughs> so I'm going to go into before that, the pod before the Brazil race. I'm going to massively underplay it. I'm definitely not going to predict a Lewis win because then it will happen. Okay. That's what I did at Silverstone. I said, oh, Lewis is going to walk it. And then he was nowhere. But anyway. Um, I'm actually really excited to see Vegas. I've played it on the game uh, only once, but it was quite good fun. Um, I just think it's going to be a real spectacle, and I think it's going to be quite different to any other race that we've seen. I think the, the amount of celebrities are going to be there, seeing the location. I think it'll be quite cool. It could be the most exciting thing that happens once the title's sort of crowned. Um, yeah, I think I think that could be cool. Like I said, we're, you and I are at a wedding, and it's it's weirdly the first ever race. I think it's the first race in years that's on a Saturday evening yeah. in Formula One. But if you're watching the UK, it's very very early Sunday morning. Um, so yeah, I don't think we'll be watching that one live unless it's an absolutely chaotic wedding. Wedding, and we're still drinking at six o'clock in the morning. But I think I'll be very unwell if that happens. So uh, yeah, back to Vegas. I think that'd be very entertaining. I'm quite excited for that. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully it's not Miami when Miami came onto the onto the circuit and uh, onto the calendar and massively disappointed it was because it was a terrible circuit. But no. from from what it looks like, it's quite a high speed um, track, and you have a great view of you know all the different uh, 
landmarks in on the Vegas trip. So yeah, fingers crossed. Um, now, so for our final question, I've got for you, Sam. I went back and I went and looked at our predictions that we made in our first ever, our first ever episode. Uh, and yeah, this is episode 2020, uh, 24. So uh, yeah, we go as. Um, so in that first episode, I asked us both to make realistic and outrageous predictions for the season. Now, I say you are absolutely on the money. You may not be winning the predictions game, but you are winning the prediction <laughs> at the start of the season game, which is definitely not a game, but we can make it into a game if you want. Um, <laughs> you said for your realistic prediction, that Hamilton will beat Russell, Sainz, and Checo in the championship. And he's probably going to do that. He's not... I think the only one he's got to beat is Checo, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's 40-something points behind Checo now, isn't he? Yeah, and wouldn't, wouldn't count off on current form and, and how the season's going. Okay. So, uh, fair play to you. Well done. And your uh, your other one was uh, Williams won't be lasting the constructors. And they've done it. Williams are not lasting the constructors. And it's not going to be likely that they will be lasting the constructors come the end of the season. Let's so, go. Uh, yeah, how does it feel to get those two, you know, your realistic and your outrageous currently uh, are on track to to come through? Yeah, that's good. That's good. No, I'm pleased about, yeah, I mean, the Hamilton one's still got some way to go, I think. Uh, I, hmm. I'm relatively confident, but it's still quite, a, you know, it's a fairly chunky gap, 40 points, but there's enough races left. And knowing knowing how driven Lewis will be, I think, to, to pick up a win this year. And Checo, I mean, who knows, roll, roll a dice, find out what kind of, performance you're going to get from Checo, frankly <laughs> um yeah there's every chance he does that that's good yeah i'm really pleased about williams because that was a bit um that was a bit heart more than head i think when i made that prediction yeah. um so yeah I'm, I'm really pleased that's um that's come to fruition how, how about you what were your uh what were your uh pre-season so predictions? my realistic one and this was i don't know maybe caught up in the hype of alonso i thought he's gonna win a race which i don't think is gonna happen now you know if if the two Red Bulls crash out or, you know, have engine reliability, I don't see him being in the position to capitalise on at the moment on current form and where that car is currently. So, uh, yeah, got that one wrong. So, and I don't think, I'll be amazed if that one comes off. It'll take a miracle for it to happen. And then my outrageous one was Danny Rick replacing Perez. Now, I think that is still outrageous to, to happen during the season, but the prospect of Danny Rick replacing Perez at some point in the future, maybe at the end of the season, is not unthinkable because Perez is walking himself out of that job and Danny Rick is now back in the sport at Alpha Tauri and just needs to just do a respectful job. And also at that tire test before he came back at Alpha Tauri, absolutely smashed out of the park and absolutely smashed um Perez's qualifying lap time from from Silverstone. So I wouldn't write it off. So that my outrage one is probably more realistic than my realistic one. So I, I'll take that. Yeah. I, I don't think you're, I don't, you're not far out. Well, you weren't far out with the answer one were it, were you really like he, he had the chance in Monaco. If he was going to do it, that would have yeah, been it. True, I think. True. And you weren't far off there, but for a poor strategy decision from, from Aston. Um, there's a lot of races left and you never know. It does feel like right now, a lot kind of has to happen the right you know right conditions for Alonso to win a race but it could it could happen strange things definitely have happened in Formula 1 I mean geez some pretty terrible drivers have won races down the years mm-hmm. um and do you know what would be funny about the outrageous one is if Daniel Ricciardo ends up replacing Perez and Perez ends up replacing Daniel Ricciardo AlphaTauri they just swap quite funny that would be really bants wouldn't it that would be um, pretty humiliating for Checo wouldn't it it would it would but Red Bull don't care about that no so no. I could see them doing it 
Is there any any more predictions you want to make? Are you happy with those predictions? Any anyone's any one thing else thinks going to happen? I mean, you've kind of predicted Lewis is going to win Brazil, but that's kind of a bit different to yeah to predictions. Again, that's definitely heart overhead. <laughs> but I'm gonna, <laughs> I guess you never know. I mean, say, do you think Red Bull? So, at, at what point in the season do you think Red Bull think? Oh, we've got an opportunity to win every race here. No one's ever done it before. That's Ooh. never been done, by the way, listener. Ooh, good, in the history good, of Formula One, never has it happened that question. one team has let, won every race. Let me just get the calendar up. Um, because if they get to, I don't know, 15, they must yeah. they must start thinking about it, right? Because last season, it didn't really work like that. Like, they sewed up the championship. Uh, Max and then they, they used off a bit. They started focusing on this year's car. And then we started to see other teams like Mercedes, you know, picking up the win in Brazil with Russell. And, like, the gap was closed and things like that. I don't know if they if they if they're like fifteen out of twenty whatever it is twenty was twenty two now twenty two without or twenty one yeah, without Imola yeah. I can't remember twenty it might be twenty two without Imola it's twenty two without Imola yeah yeah so if they get to sort of fifteen with you know seven left I don't know I think you know, Max doesn't care about records but I guarantee you Christian Horner does yeah but Christian's been very very sort of guarded about what he says about records he's trying to be very sort of modest I think well yeah he wants to be gloating but I think he'll be he'll have a yeah, we'll probably see this in Drive to Survive when this comes out next season. He'll be saying, "Yeah, we we knew we were going to win every race season." Uh, I reckon. So I reckon. So it feels a bit of a cop out to say once we've got to Brazil, which is the twenty twentieth race of the season. Mm. So there's two after Brazil. They'll think it's on, which feels a bit cop out because there's only two races. But I think actually, after Japan, which is the sixteenth race of the season. Mm-hmm. I think if they've won Japan, I think that's when they'll they'll know it's on because it's then you've only got five races to go. Qatar, I think that'd be quite straightforward. Austin as well, fine. Mexico, Red Bull are usually always quite good in Aust- in Mexico because of the high altitude. Yeah. Brazil, a bit of a gamble, but Max is usually quite good in Brazil. And then Vegas, you know, it looks quite straightforward circuit. It's not the most complex. And then Abu Dhabi, they Max always finishes strong at Abu Dhabi. So, uh, so yeah. another question then: Do you think they will? Yeah, I, 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 I just, I just think there's the stars are aligned this season for them. I just can't see it going wrong. I think it's it had to be something weird would happen to Max, which just doesn't just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. It just feels inevitable. Like I say, Max winning every race and you know Red Bull winning every race just feels inevitable. And yeah, the problem is probably at the moment Checo is not there to to capitalize. But um, yeah, I don't know. What about you? Do, do you do you think do you think it will happen? It, feel, it feels crazy, but then if you said to me at the start of the season, Red Bull win the first all the races up till the, the summer break, I would have said no way. Somewhat something weird would happen. So I'm kind of, I feel like this season just nothing weird is going to happen. What makes me think it's possible is even if they had to take, like, even if they had to like basically take an entire new car and start from last, there are some circuits I'm really confident Max would still win the race from last. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. not all of them between now and the end of the season, but there are quite a few. That I think they like that he'd still walk it and finish, you know, 10, 15 seconds ahead of second, probably. So it's that level of dominance that makes me think they, they potentially could. I mean, it is quite outrageous to think that a team could win every race because there's 22 of them. A lot can go wrong in Formula One. All it takes is for one weekend for your driver to pick up a puncture or have an instant, whatever. It would be an unbelievable achievement if they did. Here's an outrageous prediction for you. If Red Bull win every race this year, I will predict Max will just retire in December. 
Well, I've said that. I've said that. I've called that before. Because so I just I'll, don't. I'll, I don't feel like there's a better peak than that. Like no, you've won agreed. your third world championship. You yeah. You, your team's won every race. I, I mean, didn't care maybe, about records. Maybe you're just a bit like, yeah, I'm going to do something else now. Yeah. For a bit, and then it maybe yeah. come back. I don't know, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I do wonder. Yeah, and also I was going to flip it on his head. Is it a more outrageous prediction that Rebel won't win a race? No, I don't think so. A lot, a lot can happen in a Formula One race. <laughs> like, well, because also it's only one Red Bull, right? Like, Checo is not going to totally batter everybody else on the field in the mm. field every weekend. True. There will be weekends where he is outside the top 10, for example, in qualifying and you know, maybe he'll put it up to like third or fourth, but he won't, like as we've seen recently, like he won't put the car in first from, from further down the grid like Max does. Um, so all it takes is for that lead Red Bull to have a problem uh, on the right weekend and we'll see somebody else win the race. Yeah. I think. And, also, and also I think you're right. Like it depends what Checo turns up for the second half of the season. Like if his form is going to fluctuate, then yeah, it probably, it probably is not unlikely to happen that another team will win a race. But if he comes back and he's actually rediscovers his form and his confidence and can just reliably get the car into Q3 and then, you know, being second or third every weekend, could happen. Mm. Could happen. Or maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Danny Ricardo picks up a picks up a win in Red Bull after he's replaced Checo this season. Oh, that'd be amazing. Would that make it? Would that make it? You know, bearable watching Red Bull win. Well, yeah, for another, yeah, another yeah, weekend. You take it. I the... think. I think Danny Rick as well. The thing is, right, if I if you put Danny Rick in that Red Bull, I think he gives Max a bit more of a contest. Yes, Max is next level, but I still think Max gets a bit more of a challenge from Danny Rick. And I also think Danny Rick, when he's on form, his racecraft is phenomenal. Like, there's some races he's won, which he had no right to win. He's outdriven that car, played really good overtakes, you know, outmaneuvered, just like absolutely smashed it. And so he's got that skill of being very good at like, turning up at a race and like right i can i can go and win this and you know he's won seven races so um i think it'll be and also for the what's happened with danny rick you know losing his way at mclaren and now coming back if he did if he did end up in a in a red bull i think that would be uh and end up winning a race i think it'd be an amazing moment it probably would probably be the highlight of the season for me i think mm. i'm a big fan of the the honey badger <laughs> and that'd be very good that would be very good netflix tv as well it would yeah you're right it would Hmm. very good and so just to end on not a question but just to remind you dear listener that with our predictions game we didn't start it from the race but i am currently leading with by 14 points you are uh so it's all it's all on uh, to play for with the remaining races to go so it'd be interesting to see what the gap is come the end of season and who will be wearing some red bull merch at the start of next season <laughs> um I think let's uh, let's agree this then. Whoever loses, if Red Bull win every race this season, whatever merch they buy has to be some kind of commemorative 2023 <laughs> season. Red Bull have won everything, kind of. Okay, item. okay, yeah. I like that. I like that. Okay, that's very good. That's very good. I mean, that that, that will, yeah, that'd be quite funny. Um, <laughs> imagine imagine that paying for that and then coming through the door. I'm like, for goodness sake, well, why why on earth have I? Why on earth they agreed to this? But yeah, that'd be quite funny. I do well with fourteen points of deficit. I am a bit worried about that particular. That, uh, also, that 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 final race. If if they still not lost a race by the final race, we're going to be very like dreading those predictions because, <laughs> especially if it's close to the predictions game as well. But um, yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's our mid-season review for you. Lovely. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Remember to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice if you enjoyed. 
it why don't you share it with a friend hopefully they enjoy it as much of our, as much as i have enjoyed doing the podcast with you will oh very nice Sam. very sweet um no, no no comedy today just just no just, just a sincere i've enjoyed this podcast with you very good uh follow us on twitter at lights out lads and on instagram we are at the lights out pod will sacre bleu <laughs> very good you were you you were weighing up doing a very good but probably controversial french accent so i'm glad you've you've gone for the just saying sacre bleu i think it's best for anglo-french relations that i don't do that particular <laughs> podcast you want to get cancelled no definitely not yeah but yeah deep dive on alpine that'll be fun a fun chat yeah it should be interesting good to look at a current team that sort of lost its way um don't think we need to tease it any more than that so yeah make sure you join us next week that's all from us all the best and goodbye bye bye Thank you.